Welcome to Life Skills for Kids, Superstar Practical Strategies, your go-to podcast for surviving and thriving with your children. I'm your host, Deb Hopper, and as a parent and an occupational therapist, I understand the reality of getting through each day with the kids. Join me as we delve into tips, tricks, and strategies that you can use today. Hello, and welcome to the Life Skills for Kids podcast. Today, we have an interview in person um, around the the table with uh, the two amazing people I've been traveling with over the last week. We have been going around South New South Wales doing a roadshow talking about uh, anxiety in kids and also screen time and how it's um, changing and how it's impacting on anxiety a lot as well. And I've learned so much um, from these two men as we've been travelling around. So we have been to Narromine and Aubrey, Wagga, and we're heading to Canberra tonight. Uh, so l- let me get them to introduce themselves. So um, first we have Pastor Darren Pratt. Tell us a bit about yourself, Darren. Yeah, hi, Deb. I'm a pastor. I'm a dad. Um, I've got two um, young adult children now. And um, so it's been a joy to have those two kids. I'm also in specialised in children's ministries and family ministries at North South Wales, um, Walls End area. Um, love reading and, and researching and speaking into topics that affect families um, and, and helping families to, to live well um, in today's um, age we find ourselves in. Great, great to have you here, um, Darren, and I've learned so much from your talks this week, so thank you for sharing. And also we have Pastor Rick Hernigan. Hi, Deb. How are you? I am good. Thanks for being our driver this week. <laughs> oh, no problem. I've, um, I've enjoyed not only the travel but the, um, the evenings, the, the um, information sessions we've been running, Yeah, hearing, the, hearing what's been presented and as well as talking to the people who are coming along. Yeah, it's been really, um, it's been overwhelming having the feedback from from people every night about how both of these topics are so needed at the moment. So thank you, Rick, uh, for inviting us yeah. to come down. It's been it's been a and, fabulous and I think week. You pick, pick the right topics that are, are really um, current um, parent worries right now um, in this day and age we're in. So absolutely. Yeah. So today we're going to be just doing a bit of a brainstorm around the table about uh, screen time and how things are changing and a bit of the new research that's coming out. And at the end, we'll talk about some strategies for, you know, things that we can do as parents. So in our little group here, we have um, Rick has got younger kids. My kids are, you know, 11 and 13. How old are your kids, Rick? Yeah, I've got three children. Uh, My oldest boy is about to turn nine uh, in a few weeks. And I have a girl who's six and a little boy who's about to turn four in a couple of weeks as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is um, the sort of issues that I'm dealing with um, at home right now are the things that we'll be talking about. Yeah, and so my boys are 11 and 13. Yeah, well, well my two are young adults. So my son's just married and left home, um, play on the coop. Um, he's 22. And my daughter's just started uni and she's just turning 19. And so I've seen them grow up, I guess, in digital age and um, they're what you call digital natives. That They were basically born with an iPhone in their hand. So, so yeah, this has been an interesting journey to – to see technology change and grow and develop in that time and also our kids. So a lot to think about and ponder. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So we've been listening to a couple of podcasts uh, on the road. We've been doing some a few kilometres this mm-hmm. week. And we started off listening to David Gillespie's 
conversations um, on the ABC where April, we got April sixteen. Was, April yeah. sixteen. If you, you should look Con- it up. Yeah, conversations by Richard Feidler, and he did. Uh, and he had a conversation with uh, David Gillespie. David Gillespie's just released a new book this year called The Teen Brain, and uh, some some might say that he has made some pretty big and pretty outrageous claims in there. And um, if you just read his introduction, you you get a fairly good summary of those um, outrageous claims. Well, the podcast I think will sum it up pretty well as well. So, yeah, it's um amazing. Um, this guy is a guy who's written Sweet Poison, some of those books in the past. So he's a lawyer, and what what he does is he doesn't claim to be the expert, but he actually does good research and reads what the researchers are saying, and then he says he goes and leaves no stone unturned to find out what the, the truth is, and then, then he makes some some claims and some recommendations. And what he's done, I, I may not agree completely with him, but he's sparked a conversation. Wherever he went, people are talking about this podcast and talking about his book. So um, I think he sparked a conversation, which I think Australia needs to have. What he's really talking about in there is that he's asking the question, uh, digital devices, what, what are they doing to um, the people who are using them, particularly the young people? And um, what are the effects on our, our society? Um, I guess one of the, the real positive things as we look at statistics is that a lot of the at-risk behaviours that we've seen teenagers uh, engaged in um, up until very recent times um, have been declining. For example, um, drinking alcohol, um, premarital sex, a lot drug of um, taking. drug taking, all, all kinds of uh, binge drinking, binge drinking things that are listed as at-risk behaviours, we've considered them, they've actually been reducing. And That's a good you know, thing. That is a good thing. We should be actually celebrating that um, our young people aren't involved in those things anymore. Yeah. But but we may also claim, Rick, there that he says, um, well, we can think that maybe our parenting and our talking and um, all the things we've done, research has finally kicked in and our teenagers are listening which is probably the first in ever in, in society, um, we've replaced it with something even more sinister. That's that's not just something they've got to go looking for and find, and it's often hard to find, but this stuff's available in their very bedroom, which is um, mm. a worry. It is. And uh, David talks about, you know, the cliff of, you know, these old risk-taking behaviours and how they at the same time as screens, you know, came into use uh, and mm. were much more available in the bedroom, um, how that, you know, those other risk-taking things just, yeah, the stats just, they just drop down um, like a cliff, he calls it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. some yeah. experts say, oh, that you can't really correlate that. That's his science bit poor there, but, but he's making the claim that, um, and he's got some good science there too that backs that up. So, um yeah, he makes the claim that the screens are kicking in and and bringing in addictions that are just as bad if their effects, if not worse, um, than than the drugs and stuff they used to take. And um, he's saying that this is socially acceptable to give this, buy this, give it to our teens. Well, some some would say there's some pretty good advantages to actually having um, young people in front of a screen. For example, uh, any parent knows that. When it gets around 5 p.m. on any given evening, particularly a, a week evening when there's been school happening and um, that kind of a regular day, maybe a single parent household, which are not uncommon, mm. and uh, or maybe even a household where both parents are working. Come home frazzled and tired. Everyone's yeah. come home frazzled and tired. Um, everyone just wants a, a few moments of peace just to get through the, the evening routine. And it's 
look, I'm a parent. It's very easy to, to hand um, your child a digital device and let them, you know, watch something or... The next hour there's peace. <laughs> there's peace and quiet and you can get on and get some, some jobs done. So surely that can't be that bad. Mm. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I mean. Parents last night was when they said the kids just said that they've got kids that are anxious and do all sorts of things, but when they get in front of the screen... They suddenly sit still and they pay attention and they shut up and and they're focused and says, "Is this is this right? Is this a good thing?" Um, yeah. Yeah. So that that person who was talking to us, she was saying that at school, um, he can't sit still. He's there tapping his fingers yeah. off, um, tapping his feet or fiddling with his fingers because he just needs has so much energy that he needs to um, you know to move. Ex- to move. Yeah. But then, yeah, when he is in front of a screen. He gets totally still because the screen is giving him all that extra stimulation that replaces that physical movement at school. And she said that she that really alarms her. Um, and I said, well, that's great because lots of parents would think it's a good thing that they're, um, they're being still. still. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, you mentioned, Darren, about the effects, you know, of anxiety. And, you know, David Gillespie also mentions this in his book that, you know, even after 30 minutes, you know, mm. kids can start to become more anxious in front of their screens. There's, what research is saying that I've read, it says that anxiety is increasing, um, even depression starts to be noticed after after 30 minutes. Um, and, and, yeah, the effects of loneliness and dis- being disconnected, um, even though they're connected online, all those effects begin to kick in very, very quickly, especially in our, our younger kids. Um, and, and that is a concern, um, let alone what content... Um, they're looking at or playing, um, that even more, more of a concern is the substance and things that they're getting into of what um, they're actually doing. So there's some great apps out there and there's some great games and there's some great um, learning things out there. But um, I guess the worry is if, if our kids are not supervised, they're going to get into some pretty risky stuff online fairly quickly. So we need to, to be aware of that too. That's right. And in our in your talk, you've been mentioning about some of those danger apps that look really, really, um, you know, educational and you know safe, but they're actually um, hiding something really sinister underneath. Can you mention a couple of those apps? Yeah, there's, there's some apps out there that um that are really aimed at getting our teens. Things like a calculator app, which um for a parent, oh yeah, it's a, for school, it's a calculator. Hiding behind that is actually a vault where they can hide any photos and files that they want. Um, from their parents. Um, kids are often chatting on Instagram now because they know that parents want to actually go and look at that chat so they can have a chat away from the parents. Um, there's even apps um, like Omegle and others that are, 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 are there to encourage kids to hook up um, online with anonymous people. Uh, I don't know, as a parent, I want that happening for my child. Um, there's also apps like ask.fm where you can actually um, ask any anonymous question to an anonymous person and get an anonymous answer. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing either, but they're the things that our kids are getting involved in that is um, yeah, of concern. And as a parent, I would say know what apps your kids have on their phones. Google them. Um, use technology to find out what technology they're using so that you can continue to be the parent even in the digital space. So, yeah, we, I, I think um, we're dealing in a with a different issue that a society's never dealt with before, mm. and all of our children and even us ourselves 
um, now have something we might call a digital footprint. Um, there is evidence of us um, on on the internet somewhere. Google your name. Let's see what comes up. That's right. And um, you know, in my role, I run a lot of um, camps for young people, and I have a lot of staff come through. And if I don't know a staff member who's applied to to be a staff, um, of course, there's the usual checks about you know where where you live, what school yeah. you go to, maybe what church you attend. Um, they all check pretty well. Yep, yeah, and I check those. But there's also a really easy place to go and check, and that's called Facebook. And it's it's surprising some of the things you find very quickly what the background yeah, yeah. is. Um, they, they don't need to tell you too much. You know, a, a series of photos, a few comments, soon start to paint a picture of, of what the individual's like. And we're living in a world that is vastly different to the ones, the world that even I grew up in. Um, and ninety percent of employers now do a a initial footprint check before actually saying yes, we'll employ you. Yeah, so it, while, while a young person um, might be in the heat of the moment, you know, taking a photo of something or videoing something and sharing it. Which they all do. Which they all do. Um, somewhere in them, they, they need to be made acutely aware that, that whatever that is that they're sharing, it's it's there forever somewhere. It's pretty and hard it could, to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. and it could reappear at, at, at any time um, for good or for ill. And, and that's a, a whole new um, landscape that society has never never had to deal with before. Yeah. Before, you know, as a teenager, you might do something silly, but you didn't have five friends standing around videoing it and, and posting it online. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a challenging space that, that our young people live in. And, and the, what, um, what um, Gillespie says and what I've read in this research I've read too is that our teens grow up with um, the idea that there's no breaks in, in their brain. There's no breaks to say, hey, stop, this is too far. Um, that's where we as adults need to be the community, the village um, that these kids need um, as parents and mentors to, um, to to show them what it means to live well, um, model what that looks like. Um, but I also think that um, we need to be the breaks um, for these kids and, and be involved in their life, say, hey, did you realise what, no, help them think about what, might happen with with that image or whatever they've done uh, online, um, to just have that discussion with them and to help them begin to realise be the be the breaks for them. We need to be the breaks. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, Kit, uh, Gillespie talks about the neuro, which is really interesting, and how the dopamine when they are using screens all the time, they get a constant drip trickle. of uh, trickle of dopamine, uh, which is the addictive part of um, screens, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you, you get that, which is a natural. Dopamine is a natural thing that happens and um, done right. Um, it's, it's a great thing that makes you feel good and it makes you want to go and do things. It makes you get up in the morning and, and live life and enjoy life. Um, makes you want to eat and also serotonin comes and talks to you when you're satisfied. So the brain is it's designed as an awesome thing, but when you've got this dopamine trickle for um, when they're involved in anything to do with action or um, online with um, the girls that seem to be, they're more into social media. Boys are more into the action games. That seems to be the gender divide. Um, and that, that both of them gives them this, this um, satisfying effect. Um, and that's good. But when it's happening day in, day out, and there's no breaks, um, remembering the average Australian child spends 40 hours per week in front of some sort of screen, um, the addiction effects begin to kick in. And Gillespie makes the point that when we're growing up, you would have the Brady Bunch on, you'll see it on the TV one night, 
have to wait another week for the next instalment. And mm. I remember my parents, we were allowed to watch the Flying Doctors. The TV was on for that. It went off and we didn't see again until next week. So TV was limited and we were outside playing and outside um, doing all sorts of things um, that we love doing. And that actually reduces the addictive effects that um, that, that the TV had. So, but this is a whole new era we live in. You can you can binge on the Brady Bunch and watch it all in one weekend or, or whatever. Um, yeah. And that's the issue we have is that our teens are binging. They used to binge on alcohol. Now they're binging on their favourite TV shows or their favourite game and playing for hours on end. Mm. Now, I guess one of the things that um, ha- has been made uh, acutely aware to, we have been made acutely aware of in the book, is that these are, screen addiction is like, a legitimate addiction, yeah, like it's been recognised, like now. cigarettes or um, cigarette addiction or an alcohol addiction, and that when people come away from their addiction, there's genuine withdrawals. Yeah, and um, you remember the story you told in there about that that the mother. Yeah, mum. <laughs> someone's looking over the fence and they see <laughs> yeah, that watching the, this. the Xbox goes flashing into the pool. Mum, mum's crazy. Mum's come out with throwing the Xbox in the pool, and then close behind mum is a teenage boy running in full school uniform and dives into the pool to try and collect the uh, the precious Xbox. Yeah, well, I've got a story recently in the paper of um a um a mother who wisely locked um his child's devices in the car because he was playing Fortnite and was sick of it. Um, you don't know about Fortnite. You need to Google it, parents, and find out what it's about because it is it is a the latest year-long craze, billions of dollars involved in this game, and um, every kid, no one on the planet almost is playing it, millions of them. Uh, but anyway, locked in the car, her son goes out and smashes the windscreen to get his devices out um, and, and keep playing the game. Mm. So, yeah, these are extreme cases, I guess, of, of, of um, something that's going on and is in our homes under our very eyes. So. And we often think that it's, you know, perhaps higher primary school or teens who are playing Fortnite. But I know in my clinical practice, I have kids, um, many kids on the spectrum who are preschoolers. Preschoolers? Who are four, four and five-year-olds addicted to Fortnite wow. in their bedrooms. And because it's an addiction, it's it's really, really hard for parents to start to, you know, put some boundaries in and yeah. to control. Well, you try taking that device of the way and you look at the reaction your kids get. It, it, it starts with tears, but it can very quick flip out into full-on tantrums and full-on full extreme um, sorts of action. You say, hang on, you stop and look. This is um, the effects of withdrawal or taking their, their um, whatever they're addicted to away and and you just observe and see what's going on and say, is this normal for my child? And that's something to think about. Now, every kid gets gets those tantrums. That's very normal. But when it's um, tantrums in regards to some sort of game, you're saying, hang on, that's what's going on here? Yeah. And, uh, you know, tantrums are tricky for any child. Um, but I think especially children who um, you know, have autism, it's mm. even trickier. And parents just don't know what to do. And, you know, my book, Teaching Kids to uh, Manage Anxiety. Great book, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> We've had really great <laughs> feedback this week. Um, the cover is a family of superheroes in superhero costume. And it's my goal to really empower parents and professionals to have strategies mm. to help to manage you know, whatever they need to as a parent. Now, that's the point, Deb. Um, I guess the question is how do we parent well? Digital age, you look at Gillespie, he said if he had his way, he would throw them all into the bin. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a bit extreme because I think that 
we don't live in a digital age and, and devices, whether we like it or not, are here to stay. And and even if we ban them, when the child grows leaves home, they're going to be able to buy them, they're going to afford to get them. So mm. I think there needs to be a better way of parenting and teaching our kids how to live well in a digital age. And we need to remember that we are the parents. We pay the bills, the we phone are. bills. Yeah. We're paying the phone bills. <laughs> so in other words, what Gillespie says is we're actually paying for our kids' addiction. Now, would you do that with cannabis? Would you do that with drugs? Would you do that with alcohol? Hopefully not. Um, and it's, it, as I said, this, this Gillespie is hard-hitting. It's worth having a read of. But um, it really makes you think about how to parent well in the age we find ourselves in. It is. And it's hard because so many schools, it's compulsory to have a device at some oh, stage. So most, school, most good private schools give you a, a device when you arrive there. You pay your fees, you get a... You, you get your Apple or you get your um, devices or your iPad. And um, don't get me wrong, I think there's some great educational resources on these devices. I love my devices. I have my iPad <laughs> and my iPhone and my, my iWatch, whatever else. I find them fantastic. There's been the greatest medical discoveries found with devices that have been used to help with, um, like now you can monitor your heart on your iPhone. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, um, plus communication. Yeah. Like um, my children are of the belief that if they can't see the person they're talking to, then then the, not real. The phone's broken. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they it's hand, a different, different, different digital age. Yeah, yeah. They, hand it, they hand it back to me. So, I mean, uh, keeping keeping um, relationships with grandparents, for example, um, mm. uh, you know, growing and, and healthy yeah. at, at a distance has been one of the great advantages of, of technology. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it brings some pretty good stuff to our lives um, so what's as the well. Answer, what's the answer then, Rick? How, how, how do we parent well in the digital age? Yeah, I think um, what, one thing to do with technology is that we control the technology, yeah. it doesn't control us. Um, and this can be a pretty tricky um, line to walk, particularly if you've got a school who, who gives out um, a device um, or expects your child to use a certain app to do a part of their homework. We can't just let them free range on, on digital devices yeah. and on screens. We and, and, and when I talk to my kids, I said, but I need it for school, Dad. I need this for school. I need this for school. But um, when you read the research at 40 hours, most of the time it's been in either online gaming or, or social media conversation. So you've got to be aware of what yeah. they're doing in that 40 hours. If it's for school, I'm all for it. Although some of them, of, um, I'm reading recently about private schools that are actually removing the technology from the classroom because they believe it's actually having um, a damaging effect on the children rather than an educational effect. So they're finally going back to the pen, paper, calculator, better way to go. Um, so yeah. there's a bit of debate happening now around is technology really the best way to go in our classrooms? Yeah. And there are really great things that you can do with, you know, YouTube clips of, you know, how to build oh, yeah. cardboard. My son built like a cardboard uh, vending machine yes. <laughs> out of a box. You know, that's fantastic. And, and I love, levers I love and... that. <laughs> Um, or use it um, if you're do doing Lego. And Lego is one of the best free play toys. Buy a box of Legos for your kids, um, parents. It's the best way to go. Um, but then kids Google Lego creations and look at other people making Lego things and, and learn from that. I think that's using um, technology to assist what you're doing rather than letting technology be an entertainment type of drip feed um, yeah. effect. Mm. I, think, I think it actually calls on parents to um, be very proactive in their parenting. Mm. And provide in, in technology. Yeah, provide opportunities, other opportunities and um, spaces for the children to to do things besides the screen. Mm. Yeah, the screen's easy to hand to kids. We we all anyone who's got kids and a screen knows that it um, keeps the peace very well. But it takes a bit more thinking and a bit more forward planning to say, hey, what other options can I offer my my children that will 
will actually help them um, grow and not develop a um, an addiction or um, keep them away from seeing the many negative things that are available on the on the screens as well. Yeah, I was just reading research this week that said ninety percent of kids um, have seen pornography online. That's ninety percent. That means that if your kids have access to technology, there's a good chance that they've been either accidentally exposed or through the googling somehow um, come across porn, or their mates have shared it with them. So hmm. that's something to be aware of as well. Is the effects of porn it's probably a whole new podcast, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get you back, Darren. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great to, to hear that, definitely. And we just need to encourage um, kids to, to yeah, have some limited screen time but also to, you know, have outdoor time to um, to feed their sensory systems, to calm down, you know, their emotions, to relax their bodies so that they can get to sleep. Resets, it resets the body, resets the brain is, is that outdoor time. And hmm. back when I was a kid, Mum would say, "Off you go," and especially in holidays, and you didn't come home. You came home if you're hungry for lunch. If you're if you're hungry, otherwise you pick some citrus off the trees and kept on going. Yeah. Um, and Mum would say, "Yeah, when the last street lights come on, that's the time to come home." And I don't. I, and we we um did all sorts of fun together. Um, now I know we live in a different age than what when I grew up, but um I think that those sorts of days, my brothers and sisters formed me, being able to just run and run wild and live and learn and create and and make and and just be. Um, that the, the free range parenting is something for it. Yeah. And maybe suggesting to grandparents rather than like another, you know, game for Christmas or a birthday, perhaps, you know, putting in for a swing or a trampoline or a climbing yeah, frame yeah. in the backyard. Yeah. Tra- yeah. Trampolines are great. And even um, yeah, a lot more um bike truck paths and, and those kinds of things are being yeah. developed around various um, cities around our country. Mm. And, um, yeah, it does take a little bit more planning to make sure that mum and mum and mum or dad or um, someone can be out there with the kids um, involved in, in, in exercising. I know uh, for me, my parents own a farm and yeah, we look for every available opportunity to get our kids down there. And, yeah, it's surprising. The kids turn up there and usually, you know, they're begging for food or, or something. And we, we've got to tell them to come inside and come in and eat your lunch. And they're, no, I don't want to come inside. We're having too much fun. Um, just running around, doing what kids do, exploring, playing in the cubby house, you know, yeah. a whole range of just outdoor fun activities. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Nothing to do, I think, is create shared hobbies. Um, my son and I growing up, um, we got into show poultry. Um, my dad was into show poultry, so I was coming down through the jeans a bit. Um but, yeah, we, we would um, have show poultry. Now, we would use the screens to Google show poultry and look at what was happening in the show world and where the good chooks were and poultry to go and buy and um, what what to learn about how to make our poultry the best they can be. So a shared hobby between a father and a son or a mother and a daughter or, or even um, mother, son, et cetera, um, is a good way to, to model how to use technology um, to assist what you're doing um, it's, it's a tool rather than a rule. So, mm. so, yeah. So how can we manage this proactively as parents? Because it is really, really tricky. So do you have some ideas for limiting screens around the dinner table perhaps? Well, I'd say, um, and, and a lot of good research is saying, ban technology completely from the dinner table. And um, dad's the worst. Um, one thing I suggest is stack up your phones in the middle of the table if the kids have them or your devices, iPads, whatever else, you just pile them up. Whoever takes their device first after the meal does the dishes. Now, that's a good way to, a great to one. <laughs> remove it. And often it's dad that ends up taking his device because work's calling or something. <laughs> so dad does the dishes. I don't mind doing that if um, it's um, 
it's removing technology from meals. And there's a whole lot of, I'll do a whole podcast just on the importance of the family meal and what it does for our kids to get together around the table with um, other adults and, and, and peers and just discuss and talk and fight and all those things that happen around the table. Um, really, really important. So, so yeah, screen-free meals is a big thing. That's that's really important, and I think it's really sad if we go out for dinner or you know out to a cafe, and you know this kid, the parents there with their kids for a special treat out and to build relationships, but then they just bring out their phone away. so the parents can talk. Yeah, yeah. I think that what I'm also saying is set some bounds around when your kids can use the screens. Um, Let's say for very young kids from 0 to 5, just don't have screens. They don't need their brains developing so fast. There's also synapses and neurons firing off and developing and, yeah, keep the screens away if possible at all. Um, no screen time from 0 to 5 is, is, is fantastic. Um, if you do have to have um, screen time, then make sure you balance it with um, an hour on or whatever it is or half hour on with get outside and play for the twice the amount of time they're on yep. to help balance it. So. Um, as they get older, I think you need to start talking about a tech agreement. You can Google these and find good tech agreements for your family. Um, agree to the tech agreement, um, have the kids sign it, and, and make sure that you as a parent do parent and enforce the punishments for breaking that tech agreement. Yeah, I think I think one of the um, the other things is as parents too, we've got to model what we, oh, what we expect it to be. So um, if we expect our kids not to have a device in the bedroom, then, hey, guess what? Um, get yours out too. Yeah, we've got to get ours out too if you – you expect them to limit their time or you know when they get home from school to stay off the screen for an hour well you know what you've got to model mm. that too um mm. i like the other that's suggestion. a challenge to me as a dad because i'm i'm the worst facebooker yeah. um <laughs> i've got my soapbox stuff up there all the time and um but yeah often i've got to try and remember hey darren you've got to put your phone down too um you, it's, it's not like you get a free range to it if your kids don't so good, good advice rick yeah, I think the other thing you were talking about too in, in the re- recent um, presentations, Darren, was that families put a, the best technology you have in your house, put it yeah, in a, yeah, in a yeah, public, yes, public yes. place. As in, when I say public place, I'm not talking about out in the street. No. I'm talking about like, say, in, living room in the living room of your house. So that the place where people are most often. So if your children are on the, um, say, the computer, they you know, might be doing school homework or Googling for whatever, that there is someone a parent who is nearby, who yeah, can see you all the time. dinner or whatever else and walking by, um, or you'll hear the kids make a noise or something if there's something they've found often, and you can walk by and sort of, oh, what's going on? Now, this is a thing, um, and, and this is a good thing you picked up, Rick, is that, yeah, when it's in there, in the living room, you're walking by. The thing is, if the kids do Google something and they find something that is untoward, and they will, um, just being there and talking about what they've seen, and, and the pros and cons of it and why it's there and, and just sitting down and having that discussion with your child means that the effects that may have had on them is drops dramatically. So it, it almost inoculates them against um, the effects of what they're seeing, but also helps them to learn how to Google and um, find things appropriately as well because um, you're having that discussion. And I think, again, being involved as a parent in your kid's digital life is of the essence when it comes to um, training our kids how to navigate this world we're in. Mm, and have, how to have self-control and self-regulation, not just over their emotions, but also over, mm. you know, these this new technology, which 
as adults, we're still trying to figure out ourselves right. how we can, you know, limit our time on our devices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, guys. This has been a really timely discussion. I think that this is going to be in the news a lot more. And let's just keep sparking some conversations. Yeah. My final tip to the parents would be um, the old good old rule when it comes to health is balance, variety, moderation. That applies to technology too. So limit the junk on technology, increase the educational things on technology, limit the time, and, and the balance, variety, moderation thing will, will get you through. Fantastic. But yeah, thanks, Deb. It's been great to join your podcast. Yeah, yeah no Thanks worries. for having us on your podcast, Deb. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And I will put a link to um, the Teen Brain book in the, the show notes and the, the links. And do you have any resources we can link to, Darren? Um, yeah, well, um, there's a couple of good resources. Um, apart from David Gillespie's, there's some other great cyber safety resources. I'll um, actually give Deb those resources as a, as a list to put up. Um, not in my head right now, but it's a great little book that I've written too, which maybe I can email to you to put up as well, a little PDF. Um, that you can download and lots of information is in there as well. So Fantastic. Great. Thank you so much. And we will see you next week on the Life Skills for Kids podcast. Thank you for joining me on the Live Skills for Kids podcast, providing you with superstar parenting tips and empowering you to be the rock in your child's life. Do you have an anxious child and feel overwhelmed and unsure how to help them? Check out my book, Teaching Kids to Manage Anxiety, Superstar Practical Strategies to help your anxious child move from fear and worry to confidence and peace. See you next time.